Welcome to the Fierce Mama Warrior Podcast. This is your host, Jackie Hyman, and this is your hub of women who live to improve the lives of other women on the motherhood journey, health, wellness, and being their best. Welcome back, Fierce Mama Warriors, to the Fierce Mama Warrior Podcast. This is the second episode, and we are already diving so deep into what being a mother means and how we can improve ourselves on that journey. I'm thrilled to bring you this episode because I'm bringing you a psychologist who works with women specifically on the mental health aspects of being a mom. And in my opinion, we all need help and support in that area. Liba Laurier is a mom of four, a psychologist, and the creator of Motherhood in the Making. She helps moms stay calm, feel confident, and raise kind and content kids. In this episode, you will hear about the biggest struggles moms are going through, how and where to get support, how taking care of our own needs and mothers as mothers can actually be one of the best things we can do for our kids, what self-care actually means to a psychologist, and so much more. We go really deep in this podcast about what it takes to show up as a mother and the kind of mother that you want to be, how to show up for that. So I'm thrilled to bring this to you again, Liba Lurier. Here you go. I have a very special guest today. I'm very excited to bring her on. Why don't you introduce yourself, Liba, and tell us a little bit about what you do with mothers. Great, thanks. Hi, Jackie. Thank you so much for having me. I am Liba, and uh, I am a psychologist, and I'm a mom of four kids, and I'm the creator of a project called Motherhood in the Making. So I see clients one-on-one, of course, uh, individuals, but... um, you know how, like, most of the time, at one point or another, like, most parents um, feel overwhelmed and, like, they don't know what they're no, doing? that never <laughs> happens to me. Right. So I offer tools to parents so they can understand and respond to their kids so that they can stay calm and feel confident and they can enjoy building lasting relationships with their kids. Just as I'm listening to you right now, I'm like... What, like who doesn't need that in yeah. their life as a mom? It's it's literally like yeah. if you are a mom, you do you are going to experience some overwhelm. Even in the even in pregnancy, it can happen. Um, yes, and um, I think that we all go through times where we might doubt ourselves as mothers, or feel like we aren't doing enough, or we aren't. Um, reacting to our kids in a way that we want to be or showing up for them in a way that we want to be. And we do, like we want to give our kids everything. We want to be the best for them. So having concrete tools to be able to do that in the best way, I feel like is just so valuable for mothers. So um, tell us a little bit more about the motherhood and making community because that's that's sort of where I know you from. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm admittedly not a very active member there, mm-hmm. but I I do lurk. I do mm-hmm. watch the videos. I do um, gain a lot of value from what's going on there, and um, I have reached out to you personally um, about my own life as a mother, just because I I've seen what your viewpoint is and already like mm-hmm. trusting you mm-hmm. with 
my struggle. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, you know, you very kindly, you know, gave me a heads up about what you, we were going to talk about today. And you asked me about, um, I'm sorry for jumping the gun here. No problem. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> Spoiler alert, ladies. Um, you know, what, what do I think are the biggest struggles for moms? And I think that in explaining the motherhood, the making community, it's important that I touch on that. And uh, you've alluded to it um, um, astutely that um, isolation and our sense of shame is one of our biggest struggles as women and mothers. And the motherhood in the making community is a space uh, online, on Facebook in particular, where moms can feel safe to ask questions and share. Um, being that it's an online community and the nature of that um, and understanding the nature of the sort of the exposure of online community, I um, try to show up um, with some content and offer what I know women are wondering about. Um, they don't have to ask. <laughs> That's great. Because isn't that nice when your needs are um, anticipated and you don't yeah. have to ask? Um, <laughs> so um, that's really what the community is about. Um, it's a, like you know, creating a safe space where there's no judgment and women can come and be vulnerable and, and um, share uh, their wins and their struggles um, and where I can uh, let women in on... Uh, the tools that I offer and what I do and just give them that sense of um, validation and encouragement. That is so great. Um, I just want to clarify, when you say isolation and shame, do you mean, for example, I'm feeling shameful about something because I think I'm the only one who makes that mistake or who has that Shortcoming. Mm-hmm. So I think isolation and shame are mutually exclusive, and I think they also um, interconnect. Ah, okay, so go into that a little. So bit, So isolation please. is that um, in our society, it you know it has developed in that we are raising children alone. Essentially, we're alone. Um, I am with my kids on my own, and that really struck me actually when I first became a mother. That um, like, where is everybody? And granted, I was a young mom, so all my friends were still like living it up in their twenties and you know meeting their husbands and whatnot. Um, but even in my community of young moms, there was very little community, and I felt very isolated. Um, also, the nature of society in Western society, we, um, you know, we're we're no longer um, um, roaming in herds, so we are isolated, practically isolated. And I think we're emotionally isolated, and that's where we it's connected to the shame, is that when we struggle, we think we believe there's something wrong with us for struggling, and that's the nature of shame. Shame is not um, what did I do wrong, but I am wrong. So um, I think where motherhood in the making um, is supportive to uh, women and mothers is that it, um, it's validating that you're okay, you're okay, and everything's going to be okay. And I think that's um, really what's missing for us when um, in, um, in our upbringings as individuals, in our uh, upbringings in, within society, um, and also currently just in the day-to-day nature of uh, life with kids. So interesting because if you are listening right now and you have already listened to episode one, we went deep in on this feeling of isolation as a mother and started to discuss some of the things that we can do to change that. Um, If you resonated with that at all, like, yes, I am a mother and I also feel lonely or alone a lot of the time, like I I could benefit from a lot more support than I'm getting right now. Um, This is a fabulous tool for you, this online community where you can have a safe space to tell other mothers and professional psychologists 
what you're going through, what you're struggling with, and gain real tools for so that you can implement uh, with your kids and not feel so alone and know that there's not something wrong with you, but that um, maybe just you know you you have something that you can work on with support. Yeah, and I think that's that's a really great distinction. Is that um, uh, first and foremost, just knowing that it's I'm, it's not just me. It's not just me. It's such a relief. It takes so much of the uh, the shame. Uh, I don't say away, but it it um, relinquishes the shame, and um, and it makes a space to, to where I can seek help, like where I feel like safer and. Um, to seek help, and I think that's that's such an important part of it. Is not is in addition to getting validation, is seeking help to get to the source of it and getting to the root of it, and understanding, um, you know, what's really going on for me that I feel so overwhelmed, um, that I feel so stuck, um, that I may find that I'm not happy, that I'm not satisfied in life, and I think that a lot of women and men as well, but. Um, Women, you know, I think there's a lot of commonalities between uh, men and women in their experience of parenting, but I think women have a unique experience in that we, um, not only um, in society are we um, granted the opportunity to be with our children most of the time, but that we also um, carry our children, um, you know, um, and we uh, are responsible very often, that is the reality, is that many of us are responsible, soul responsible um, for the care of our children, especially in the beginning, whether we're nursing or bottle feeding. And whether you've carried the baby or not, you know, you can, it can be a surrogate and your baby's yours, you're looking at this baby, it falls on the mom. And partially because society puts that on us um, and we play into this, that narrative and partially because we are uh, intrinsically um, uh, driven to that, like we, there are mechanisms in our brain that drive us to want closeness with our babies, and that is uh, um, that's that's a normal, natural uh, inclination of a woman, uh, men as men as well. But women are different in that respect. Um, um, I lost my train of thought. What I was saying. Um, can I just like, help me? Help me, Jackie. <laughs> can, can I, I think I was it? asking. Weren't we just talking about asking for help? Um, I, I think that that all of all of what you said there was so valuable, and I think we could like have a whole other episode just know, on right? that. Right. What you said about about mothers intrin- intrinsically, like the the um, the care falling on the mother's shoulders, and and why that happens. Um, I would love for you to give an example, either from your own life or something that happened to community where a woman felt alone in her struggle and then realized like I'm not the only one. Mm. Well, I think it's hard to know what happens offline, you know, but I see that women um, come into the Facebook community and they come back to the Facebook community and I send out emails and women open the emails and they click on the links and you know, I think and they I get emails often this morning I got one where a woman just wrote like thank you, you know, and <laughs> it's like I think if, you know, like your listeners, you know, they, you, you listener have taken the time to listen to this podcast. You value it. It's worth your time and time is valuable to us today. And I think if someone, um, you know, just takes the time to respond, it means that, you know, um, um, I'm hearing, I'm hearing the message, I'm valuing the message. So I can't, um, say so much, um, speak for other people, but 
certainly for myself. I mean, I've had many um, instances where I have stepped out on a limb to be vulnerable, to share my fears and my pains and my regrets and my concerns and worries, um, mostly about am I good enough? And receiving the f- feedback, yeah, you are. And you know what? I feel that way too sometimes. I also feel totally insecure. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm not the only one. And I have a group of um, girlfriends and uh, that's really the glue that sticks us together, that to discover that each and every one of us feels insecure and wonders if we're good enough. And also to observe how at the same time, each and every one of us looks at the other with awe and um, um, uh, um, I'm, I'm lost with the word, uh, appreciation. Like, wow, you're so unique. You're so beautiful. You're so wonderful. I can't believe that you don't see this in yourself. And to... Um, and, and the beauty that's there in that, in that connection among women and the, um, and the sisterhood of women that we, we have the power to do that. And I really believe that that is lacking for us. We do not have, um, we are uh, distant from our tribes. Um, my friends and I, we uh, got together just a, last week for my birthday and I s- said to them how grateful I am to have a group of women in my life that I can share myself with and that I can receive, you know, that I can receive their their value of me and appreciation of me and that I can be vulnerable enough to be loved by them. And I think that's a big challenge for women. I think partially because of our upbringing, we're, we're all mothering in a general, you know, we're all raised in a certain generation. And um, I think that's a big struggle for us is to believe that we are lovable. And I think that's connected to the shame is that I'm not good enough. And then we have these children becoming a mother um, brings us back, slings us back uh, ferociously at times to our own childhood, to being parented. And then we are sort of, we are not sort of, we are struck by um, the contrast between our experience of being parented and now being the parent. And that can be very dis- distressing, very disruptive. And what's most distressing is that it's on our awareness. And so we think, oh, it's me, I'm the problem. Can you give an, a, like a concrete example of that? Of what? Um, like... Something specific that you see um, is connected to the way you were parented. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I feel like we've been we've been talking very high level here, and I want people to really get a sense of of like specific ex- examples, like real day to day things that happen. Um, I don't know, like we lash out or yell or so- something like that. Yeah, you got it. That's it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Listen, in, in in when when we're not experiencing the joy of a connection with our children, then it's likely because we are distracted, and or we are distracted from the stresses of life, or we are distracted from the loss and sadness of the past, or the worry for the future. We are um, we're distracted, and so we're not attending to the moment. So any time that I find myself I'm going to be really specific because that was still really, um, that was still sort of macro. Um, when I became a mom, I wanted, and this I actually talked about this in my, on my website, and my story, which will be changing, so go and read it now. <laughs> um, hurry up, guys. Hurry. Um, it's actually hard to talk about. It's hard to talk about. Um, not because I'm ashamed of it, but because I know that a lot of women um, feel this, um, that to realize that I want something that I can't get. Like I want something for my child that I cannot give them. And that is so painful. Like it's so painful to realize that I want closeness and I want to love you. And 
um, I think I'm also feeling um, I'm touched by it now, particularly my daughter is celebrating her bat mitzvah, which is like a milestone in a Jewish woman's life. At 12 years old, she's like enters womanhood. And um, we're putting together like a photo album together. I just picked up some photos and I'm looking at the photos. And I'm looking at this little child. I'm just like, oh my God, like I cannot believe I've raised this little girl like it's so fresh in my memory this little baby and so quickly she's 12 years old and she's an adult you know she's pre-adolescent and she's amazing and she's growing and like physically you see she's turning into a woman and in her mind she's developing like her independence and her sense of self and it's a, it's beautiful it's wonderful but I look back and I'm really struck I'm reminded of that time in my life where I felt like I wanted to create something for her and I couldn't and I looked at the pictures today and I see her in these pictures and her smile and I see in some ways, I think, I thought I had the thought today, she's me. I raised her to be me. And in some ways, in the beginning, actually, that's not, I'm not happy about that because I raised her initially with all my, my insecurities and my fears, and I gave that to her because that's what I had. And that's um, a reality, Jackie. Like, that's the reality. We parent the way we were parented. And unless we are conscious about the way we were parented and we, are, and we think about the experiences we had, we are distracted and we are not present in our relationships with our kids with who they are today. They're not versions of me. They're not versions of my mother either. You know, like when my daughter is, for example, you know, a child um, wants their mother's attention. They need their mother. Now, if I had a very needy mother which many of us have, a mother who needs to be cared for herself, um, who can't hold space, who can't hold her own, and I am thinking about my mother's well-being over my own, then when my child needs me, I'm reminded of that sense of dissatisfaction I felt as a child, where my needs could not be met because I was so busy looking after your needs. And it's sort of like, oh, you need me too? Do I not ever get my needs met? And then what do I do? I become the, my own mother who needs the child to look after her needs. And it is a, it's a hard place to be in. It's a hard place and that's where we get stuck. And I think a lot of women feel stuck in these old patterns and um, um, patterns, old patterns, old habits of relationships, relational patterns, which are there and they function for us. And um, when things go well, they function really well. And when things haven't gone well, while they're functioning for us, we don't feel satisfied. We don't feel satisfied. So it's sort of like, I'm driving a car, it's a total jalopy, it's a breakdown, it gets me from point A to B, but it's not what it should be. Like, it's not what it should be. And I find, think a lot of women, I think it's th thinking about the isolation and the shame that we face, really that's an obstacle to being able to um, face the deeper issue, which is, I don't feel equipped, I don't feel good enough, I don't feel like I'm getting my needs met, I don't... Um, feel valued, appreciated. And these are old feelings. These are old feelings that we bring with us from childhood. And it's kind of cliche, and I, and I tiptoe around it, though I'm, uh, I believe I'll be finding myself saying this a lot louder and a lot prouder, um, that, um, because it's got a bit of a bad rap, you know, like you talk about childhood and you're like, oh, is that what you do? People call me as a therapist, like, are we just going to talk about my childhood? I'm like, <laughs> well. <laughs> Actually, yes. <laughs> Actually, yes. Um, well, the answer to that is, well, I need, to, I, I need to know about your childhood. I need to know, who, how did you become who you are today? Because if we're talking about who you are today, I, I need to know how you became who you are today. And I need to understand um, from objectively as the therapist, um, knowing what I know, I need to um, construct a... Uh, like sort of conceptualize that and understand that and 
how is that impacting you today and help you see that in ways that you can't see for yourself? You can't. For good reason, you are protected from that because if you see it, then it rocks your game plan and then it like, it like I don't have a game plan. So like the way that I interact with the world, I've developed... I see you looking up like, hmm, what are you talking about? What is yeah. this? What is this? I'm like, wow, <laughs> like how deep does this go? It goes pretty deep. <laughs> you're, you're even using language that I'm like, um, like what does that mean, a game plan? Right, so a game plan we also know as a blueprint or if you're familiar with the attachment theory, the mental models. So this is how our early childhood experiences shape the way that we perceive ourselves and others, the world around us, and our place within the world. And it's sort of like, it's what we call today perception. It's how you see things. And um, that is you know, what happens early on in life. So your worldview, is that another word for it? Uh, worldviews can, can mean something else because worldview um, is not necessarily emotional. And your mental model is um, ties into your emotional experience of yourself, others, and the world, and it's very much anchored in your emotional experience. Um, worldview is more cognitive. Worldview is more okay. ideas, beliefs, opinions, mm-hmm. and while those are um, relevant and important, I think what's really here at the core is our emotional experience. And I think that's, you know, you asked me. Another spoiler alert, we'll jump ahead, um, about self-care. Like I talk about self-care or I hesitate, you know, I have this hesitation or weariness as you described it. And I I guess I feel wary about it because it's become so um, cliche. It's become so cliche, self-care, self-care. And like cliches, it, the meaning dissolves within the popularity of the um, of the words and you, it loses meaning and even in its essence I think that its meaning is ill-defined I think self-care is about caring for the self and um, the self is what we bring in question like who am I and who am I is tied to my needs and my wants and my wishes and my desires and even as I speak of this I feel emotional because just the thought of it brings me connects to my emotions about um, about, it's like a power, like the power of my wishes and my wants and my desires. And especially speaking to women, as women, we are raised to suppress our desires. And that's biblically founded, like, you know, Eve, because of her sexual desire and because of her seduction of the snake, you know, it's like that she has to suppress that or you have to suppress it because you will misguide a man. Like my, I talked to my husband about, you know, dress. We have three daughters and a boy and our daughters are growing up and they're you know, expressing themselves and dress is a way to do it. And him and I, I mean, like we talk a lot about and sharing male, female perspectives about dress and body and sexuality and the image and all these things. And it brings me back to, to share with him this idea how a woman's desire is not bad and uh, wants and needs and wishes. So not only is society speaking to us as if we need to be ashamed of those things, but also... Um, in, for many of us, our early childhood experiences have reflected um, a lack of uh, needs being met, desires being acknowledged, um, um, wants being satisfied. Um, and so self-care is really about coming into adulthood, being in the care of a child, uh, taking care of a child, a child being in your care, um, and so now being thrusted into the role of mother. And now, um, you know, with the multiple endless demands of a child will have on you, um, and you know, with a 
with a 12 year old, I can tell you, like, it doesn't change. It, like, they change, it doesn't, you, the, the, the demands are the same, but they just change in nature. So, um, the level of demand, you mean? Yeah, I think, look, zero to five is hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard. And I, I'm going to name it and claim it like zero to five is a lot harder. It's a lot harder because of the, the stage of development of child's. Uh, emotional, physical, um, motor development, cognitive development—it's a lot harder. It's, it's a different—it's um, a different beast. <laughs> I mean that literally and figuratively. Um, I think we can all relate. Yes, there. <laughs> uh, I know. <laughs> like, I was like, "Is that not nice to say?" I'm like, "No, let's just let's just <laughs> say it as it is." Um, it feels like that way sometimes, um, and. Uh, uh, you know, we're thrusted into this role and it's very demanding on us and it really brings into, as I mentioned, our own experience of our own needs and wishes and wants being met and, you know, feeling felt, feeling valued um, and uh, being seen, being understood, listened to and because that's what our kids want from us. That's what they need from us. And cognitively, many of us, you know, you're listening, you know that that's what your kid needs, but I get stuck and overwhelmed when I can't provide that for them. And I, there's a bit of a dissonance where I want to, but I can't. And I work with a lot of women who are like, I don't know, like I'm stuck, I'm stuck. And so the isolation and the shame is really sort of like um, how I feel as a mother amidst, you know, amongst all the mothers in the world. But in, you know, like, oh, I'm the worst mother ever. But in my relationship with my child, it's, it's even more, um, it's even heavier, it's even more pressing because... You know, there's more at risk here. Like, I'm the mother here. I'm their mother. Like, when it comes to their world, I am their mother. Just like my mother is my mother. There's no replacement for her. That's the mother I got. That's it. There's nothing I can do about it. I didn't make a choice. And I've got to work with what I've got. And uh, I think there's a lot of uh, healing that needs to be done. And uh, um, I think self-care is all about healing. I don't think it's... I mean, I think it looks like getting a manicure. My nails are my nails are did, you know. Like <laughs> I noticed, them I got my gorgeous, nails did. You know, that's something that makes me feel good. Um, mm-hmm. But when it comes to self care as a mother, um, as a means to um, build um, lasting relationships with my kids and enjoy life with my children, um, I think it's about healing myself with a capital S. Um, self care is sort of kitschy now and and is meaningful and important. We need to think about it. But I think a lot of women get to self-care and they're like, oh, I don't know. I certainly didn't. I remember having this little baby and being like, okay, got to do something else. And I'm like walking the mall with my coffee and I'm like, this is so bleeping boring. I'm so bored. I'm so lonely. I'm so sad. This sucks. I'm the worst person ever. Like, And I can't even get self-care right. I can't even get self-care right. Look at me. And I want to redefine it and reframe it so that we understand that self-care is about asking about what do I need and what do I want? What are my wishes? What are my desires? So, yeah. Can I I interject? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to, like, sort of take everything you said because it's so much and it's so, um, it's so deep. Maybe try to, for our listeners put it into like a pill-sized statement maybe (laughs) if I can succeed in doing that I don't know Um, and if I'm totally off you'll tell me so what it sounds to me like you're saying is that in order to be able to give my child what they actually need which is being seen being felt being heard that I need to feel that way myself. I need to feel seen. I need to feel heard. 
um, I need to have my needs met. And self-care means figuring out what I need and what I desire and being able to voice that, I think, is a huge struggle for women. Um, and we're sort of, we sort of, I mean, I, I, this is not my own idea. I took it from another podcast I was listening to, but that we have, I sort of put on this pedestal, the woman who doesn't need anything, the woman who, you know, takes up very little space, um, is just giving, giving, giving all the time and not saying, Hey, like, I need to go lie down, or whatever it may be. Um, she pushes through. She doesn't ask for a lot. Um, she's very low maintenance, and I'm using air quotes with the low maintenance because I really think that the fear of being high maintenance is part of what drives this. Um, <laughs> so, so I'm like, I'm rolling my eyes because I'm thinking. First of all, you're you're spot on, spot on, like like top to tail, spot on. I'm proud of you for. Like uh, summarizing that so succinctly <laughs> and very grateful, um, and I'm thinking as you're speaking of uh, this woman on a billboard, you know, the, the, and, and how we are, we the onslaught and the. Um, I'm not sure now for my children's generation, but certainly when I was raised, women were valued for their silence, women were valued for their being docile, women were valued for um, not taking up space. And being agreeable and giving and not as takers. And that's been, um, and we see this in research, for example, in classrooms, um, co-ed classrooms. Boys are called on more than girls. Statistically, they're called on okay, more than girls. I heard that boys raise their hands more than girls do. And they'll Does that be factor called, in? Uh, sure. I mean, even okay. if you just look, they raise their hands more. That's even, they're, they're, they're willing to speak. But you can imagine if I raise my hand and raise my hand and no one calls on me, I'll just stop raising my hand. Oh yeah, right. Yep. So I don't, I don't know if they're if they're um, they're um, exclusive. And of course, anyone gives you a study, you can ask for the source of that study. Yep, <laughs> I yep. don't have the source of that study, but it sort of resonates. Um, it, it is known that um, girls learn better with girls and boys learn better with girls. Right. <laughs> I know. It's like, what do we do about that? That's known. Um, so, um, you know, that just, that's just an example of how we, and, and teachers allow that, and they don't know they're doing it. They don't know that they are, they are pigeoning a girl, pigeonholing a girl in that role of you just be quiet, just sit, look pretty. Um, somebody in my life says, eat like a lady. And I'm like, are you, like, are you kidding me? This is like, what does that even mean, sit like a lady? Be polite. Don't make noise. Don't make a mess. Don't call attention to yourself. I have a strong issue around modesty. Like what? And that's what I'm discussing with my husband. What does modesty even mean to us? We need to ask that because we're talking about our self. We're not talking about how we just look in the world. We're also talking so, about our So don't ask your Rav, ask yourself. Yeah, that's right. Very nice. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Sorry to be so heathen on here. But. Right. No, it's not heathen at all. It's let's be critical thinkers here. Let's be active members of our life. We were given life. It's a blessing. It's a gift. Let's own it. Let's live it. Let's live it to the fullest. Let's make the most of it. And let's take the role that we have as mothers and do it well, as well as we can. And not fall 
pray to the messages that we're being told. And those messages are from society. Those are messages from our families as well, that perhaps the message that I got is that I, you're not good enough. Um, you don't really matter. You're not important. You're not loved. Uh, if you disappeared, no one would even notice. I, of course, you know, work with women, and so that's what I see all day. I read a book. It's called Reflective Parenting. I recommend it. Um, um, I'm actually going to be um, in supervision with the author f- as a, for a parenting group that I'm going to be starting. Awesome. Uh, I'll tell give you the information about that. And she writes, uh, most people had a secure upbringing. I don't agree with that. Now, granted, I work in a very narrow field, so I work to help people who haven't. Um, but I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's the case, and I don't think that that's because parents are bad. I don't think that that's because parents are, you know, mean, you know, mean, ill. I think because they're not asking the question. And so, you know, on the tail end of, um, you know, in this quote-unquote heathenism, let's be critical. Let's ask ourselves, what kind of parent do I want to be? And, you know, in um, like online courses um, I've created, you know, the first thing we do is we set a goal. Like, wh- what kind of parent do you want to be? Who do you want to be? How do you envision yourself in the future? How, what do you envision your children saying about you in the future? What would you like them to say, let's say, in 25 years in the future? I'm 35, so when I'm 60 years old, it's my 60th birthday party, and my kids stand up in front of a room of people, and, and they talk about their mom. They say what kind of mom she was, and I want them to say X, Y, and Z, so I need to be that, and I need to do what I need to do so that I'm that mother. And very often, the mother you want to be is the mother that you didn't have. And so there's a, there is a space where we need to mourn that. We need to grieve that. We need to sit with ourselves, with other women, with our partners, you know, with your mother, even if you're lucky enough, I've been lucky enough to sit with my mother and cry about the childhood I didn't get to have because of the choices she made. And I'm one of the lucky ones that I get to do that, but I'm also one of the many who didn't have the childhood that I deserved and that I wanted and I didn't get it. And so here, you know, going back to your original question, but like, give me an example. A really great example is when your kid wants something. I just, I just want to inter- interrupt yeah, you yeah, for one of. second because I want to clarify. When you say the childhood that I deserved that I didn't get, you don't mean like, I wanted to go to Disneyland and my parents never took me. You mean a level of connection that right. you didn't get. Correct. Okay. Correct. Correct. And I think um, those who know, know. I think those who know that... It, that, that um, people, I, I know you're listening to me now and, and you're thinking, yes, that was me. And, you know, Motherhood in the Making is about naming it and saying, yeah, you're not alone in that. You're not the only one who didn't get what she wanted. And... So an example that I, you know, we have in parenting is when our kids want things. They need us. They need emotional connection, and we don't have it for them, was an example I gave. Another one is when they want something, and I can't give it to them. And experiencing their wanting triggers my wantings, and my wantings have not been satisfied. What do I do with that? And if I don't acknowledge my unsatisfied wantings, then I can't satisfy my children's wantings, and then I replay the same pattern where their wantings are not acknowledged. They're not valued. They're not satisfied. If they can't be satisfied, you can't go to Disneyland. That isn't um, nurtured. That isn't contained. That isn't. Um, I have a client today. We're talking about anger and how her anger, you know, her anger was. She saw fear on the and confusion on on her caregivers. So she's like, oh, my anger is dangerous. My anger hurts. Um, anger. She associates anger with her parents fighting like like they weren't fighting like crazy, but in the context of her 
her class, a lot of kids were getting divorced. And for her, you know, everyone's getting divorced. My parents will get divorced. That's associated with being left. So if I get angry, I will be left. Um, and I'm, I'm jumping some steps here, but the idea is that my emotional experience, my emotional experiences, um, my experience of my emotions in the past and the emotional parts of my capital self, uh, S self, um, how they were valued and how they were recognized um, shaped who I am today. And that's what I was talking about, the mental model and the, um, um, the blueprint. And it's important that we get clear on that. And then, as I said, you know, that we understand that so that we can respond to our kids. And that's what motherhood in the making is really about. It's about understanding my experience of being parented so that I can be the parent that I want to be. That is so great. Like, I definitely, you definitely touched on something there when you said, you know, when your child wants something. I think my initial reaction right now, I'm just going to be honest, so much is like, well, I don't get everything I want. So like, why are you expecting to get what you want right now? Right, right. <laughs> like buzz off. <laughs> right. And then the question is, what does that feel like for you, Jackie? What's that like for you when you can't get everything you want? I don't know. I, I think I've learned. I mean, we just, that's life, right? We don't get everything we want. What I think do you I've do years, with that want? What do you do with I've it? What happens to want? tools to just... I see you pushing it down with your hands. Push it down. (laughs) Pushing it down. That's right. Push it down. Like, and and you say to that want, you don't matter. Uh And um, and so then my kid wants something, and the message. And I'm not saying this of you, but I'm saying you know me as well. I probably could take something very valuable from this right now. I think you know, like, what what does it feel like when my child wants something from me? What does that feel like for me? So a lot of parents will go to their thoughts, and I say, okay. And when I think this. What do I feel? So also what, one of the tools I teach parents is to distinguish between a thought and a feeling. A thought and a feeling are two different things. And what, you know, one way that very often our emotions have been responded to with thoughts. They've been rationalized because rationalizing something is a defense and it keeps us safe from feeling. And so my mom, for example, she's not comfortable with my, my feelings because she's not comfortable with her own. And so she will rationalize um, my feelings. <clears throat> so she'll think about them. She won't actually feel them with me. And so as a mother, my job is to feel my children's feelings with them. We also call that empathy. You know, people really like empathy. They don't necessarily know how to do that. I have a video on that. <laughs> no one really knows how to do it. Why? Because they didn't experience it. And if you don't, you've never experienced it, you don't know how to do it. And that's not mm. your fault. You're not bad for it. You're not right. lacking. That is a but place we, for but compassion. We, we do have the power to break that cycle. Is right. What and that's where we need to acknowledge, acknowledge that uh, reality. And, you know, I have a five, uh, a tutorial series, five steps to stop reacting and start responding to your kids. And the first step is to stop and to stop and realize, recognize, acknowledge this is not going well. And, to, and what's really hard about that is the guilt. And the shame that comes up for us. And to, and to know, because you've heard this here on this podcast, that it's okay. Like, it's okay that it's not going well. Parenting is hard. Raising children is hard. And depending on your background, it might be really, really hard. And, you know, I just saw the preview for this um, um, Fred Rogers movie, which I'm, like, so excited about it. Uh, I, so uh, <laughs> I saw the documentary. Is there a movie? Yes. Okay. So I saw the documentary. Awesome. And awesome. this is a movie. If and you haven't seen the documentary yet. Right. 
please go yes. and watch that yes. next thing yes. that you're watching yes. is that. It's yes. so yes. valuable. Yes, very. And this is sort of like motherhood in the making is very much, ins- not, I'm not saying inspired by it, but of the same um, flavor. It's of the same flavor. I have a lot of compassion and understanding and things are okay. And when I speak to mothers, I'm speaking to a child. I'm speaking to your child, Jackie, because I know there's no point where you just, okay, you hang up your child hat and you take your you know, adult coat off the rack and put it on, now I'm an adult. It doesn't work that way. We take our childhood with us. That's not because we're somehow flawed. That's just the way it is. That's how it works. Just like we are intrinsically driven to pick up our child when they cry or you know, scratch an itch. I mean, that's just how we're wired. You know, we are wired to take these experiences with us because we need to take them. They teach, they've taught us how to be in the world. And sometimes the lessons we have learned work really well for us and they function for us and help us master adulthood. And sometimes they don't. And we find ourselves struggling. We find ourselves not only struggling in life. For example, a client of mine, you know, she's entering the workforce and she's like, yikes. (laughs) But because now we're mothers, and now I actually have to raise children. And now it's bringing all that stuff up for me. And we're in conflict because one is, as a woman, I don't want to cause trouble. I don't want to make noise. I don't want to ask for what I need. Um, also, I've got to look like I've got it all together, right? You mentioned, you know, I've got to look like I've got my together and, you know, everything's golden and I'm the perfect mom. And motherhood in the making is about not doing that. It's about mm-hmm. not lying to ourselves. And just now when you say, can I be honest? I'm like, you better be. You better be Jackie. There's no other way. There's no other way. And children, as we were once, are truth seekers. And if we don't give them the truth and we don't operate in truth, um, we will draw them into a lie. And that is a shame. That is a crying, crying shame for them. And it's a crying, crying shame for me as the mom because I lose the opportunity to enjoy these beautiful relationships that I am so lucky to have created with my kids and continue to create every day. It's not like, it's like I keep working on it, uh, of course, because they're changing and I'm changing and we're always growing together. But having a framework and an understanding um, to, um, to work from has changed my life. It has changed my life completely because now motherhood is not a symbol of my failure. It's a symbol of life and success and joy and love and it's a beautiful thing and I get and I just take pleasure from it and isn't that the point where I finally get to take pleasure where my pleasure my desires and my wishes were suppressed and rationalized and solutioned away or dismissed or ignored I'm reclaiming my pleasure and that's what self-care is self-care saying I'm allowed pleasure you can take that to the bedroom too, ladies, by the way. You just take that with you. Um, <laughs> in all those areas of our life, you know, also women. And I'm sure, you, you know, we, you know I've, I know you've spoken about this and it's an, also an important topic for, you know, another time, but also pleasure, sexual pleasure. Where's their place for that? So um, I think motherhood in the making, um, I feel very passionately about helping women reclaim that, reclaim their sense of um, value and their sense of pleasure in the world and in their relationship with their kids and themselves. I'm going to ask a question here that's come up for me as a mom, very much relating to this. And it's personal. It relates to my personal day-to-day with my kids, but I'm sure that I'm not the only one that struggles with this, like we said. So um, I'm sure this is going to be valuable to everyone. I see a lot of times that I feel like my children's wants are come in conflict with my needs. Um, and as much as I want to acknowledge their want, it's like, well, I fed you, you know, I clothed you, like 
I helped you with your homework. And now I need to sit down. Um, and you're wanting me to, I don't know, go get you some gum. <laughs> right. <Okay. laughs> right. Like, right. I'm not going to put your want over my need. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So how do I... And and I know I'm right in that. I you know I, I shouldn't be putting other people's wants over my needs, even when they're my children. But at the same, how do I do that without suppressing their wants? Like you said, that is such a good question. Um, in my uh, in the Last tutorial one, and series, then we'll wrap up in the tutorial series that I uh, created. The fifth step is to respond. Ultimately, how do I respond to my kids? Right? How do I understand what's going on so that I can respond thoughtfully to my kids instead of losing? Losing it, um, and so you brought up a few things that um, um, strike up more questions. What is the difference between a want and a need? Uh, boundaries, um, and in short, um, I can answer your question. I would suggest that you um, check out the tour series, even if you jump to the end, because um, I really flesh it out there over ten minutes. Um, you know, I think I've seen it, but a lot of your stuff, I feel like I need to watch like three or four times right. <laughs> to really get out of it because it's, it's just a lot, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's deep stuff, right? Yeah. It's deep stuff and it touches a place of it's within ourselves that we don't often explore and the first time you watch it, it's an invitation to even acknowledge it and the second time you watch it, it's right. like you're actually going to listen and then the third time you watch it, you're actually going to take notes and do something about it, yes. which is great. When you watch Libra's um, videos, watch them again. Right. Do at least <laughs> once more. Right, thank you. Um, so... Your child wants something. There's a difference between giving them what they want and just acknowledging that they want it. And sometimes um, uh, we don't acknowledge what they want, even if we can't give it to them. So um, my child wants something. I have to acknowledge what that want is and recognize that there's a a want, there's a need. Um, The distinction I make between sometimes it's not it's not you can't distinguish it, but um, sometimes a want is a need. Like I want a hug. That's a need for connection, a need for closeness, proximity, comfort, um, reassurance. So it sounds like a want, but it's actually a need. And so that's why it's so important that we get in touch with the emotional level of our relationships. That's I think is the is what relationships are made of. That's the building blocks of relationships are our emotional connections. Um, that we. Um, acknowledge the emotional world of our child and that we step into their mind for just a moment. That if I'm in your world and I'm in your mind, I want a hug from mommy. What does that feel like for me? What do I really need here? And then choose whether or not you can give it now. And if I can't, that I, you're not shamed for it, for wanting it. You're acknowledged, your want is acknowledged. Like I see that you want my, your, my a hug from me right now. Yesterday I was like freaking out at my kids. Long story short, I was just like, this is too bleeping much. It was just one of those days, school holidays, one thing to another. Just It was like a really overwhelming day that really just threw the stress of school holidays into my face. And I had discussed with my husband that night and sort of like unpacked, like there's just no schedule. Every day is a different day. And it was really overwhelming. And there's a lot going on. So hard. So hard. So um, I had lost it. And then um, I t- my kids was like, come watch me in the pool. And I'm like, I know that you want me to watch in the pool. Like I see that. And, and it doesn't have to be wordy. You know, we share emotional space. We feel together and we're wired that way. Mirror neurons, Google it. We don't have time to talk about it now, but we can feel each other. I can so feel you now. We're not talking about script it. Right. No. And saying it. the right thing. You feel thing. sad right now. Right. Oh, nonsense. You know, your right. truth seekers are going to see right through that. You feel sad with me. That's what empathy is, right? That's what Brené Brown talks about. Like, mm-hmm. go into the hole with your kid and be like, I see that. Like, I see that you want me with you. And don't go too far in. 
because you've still got your, you know, like in this moment, I'm not going too far in, but I am acknowledging it. Now my kids are used to me acknowledging it, so they'll, it's much, they're attuned to it, so they'll accept that easily. They know I'll be back. They know that I'm containing it. It's contained. It's not like, oh my God, mom's losing her head here. So they will, they tolerate that better over time. They learn to tolerate the distance better. Uh, my youngest, so you know, is four and a half. He's also older, but um, um, it's within a context of a secure relationship. But I say to them, I can't, I can't do it right now. I just cannot give it to you right now. I need a few minutes to just collect myself. I need to collect myself. And I do, I go, I collect myself and then I come back. And that's important. You have to come back. You know, <laughs> you got to come back. And um, and if you have trouble coming back, you need to get help. And that's not because there's something wrong with you, but because you're brave and courageous and a strong mama and that you want the best for your kids. And it's okay to ask for help. Like that is the greatest demonstration of strength and courage as a mother is to ask for help. And that's what we're actually, we are meant to be doing. We are a tribe. We are herdsmen. You know, we, we are... We are, we are tribesmen. We are people of tribes, of herds. We're herd animals. And so, you know, we're not meant to uh, roam alone. So asking for help feels scary, but it's so important. Thank you so much for that. I think like the other side of the coin of being small, voiceless, and submissive is I'm empowered. I don't need anyone, right? I'm big. I'm powerful. I'm brave. I can do it on my own. I don't have need. It's like the other side of not having needs. I don't have needs because I'm independent and I don't need anyone. And I see this in my work so much that you know, women who are pregnant or have just visited their doctor after the six-week mark, sometimes even earlier after birth, will just jump right back into their exercise program, for example, that they were doing before because they just want to be that powerhouse of a woman um, not taking the time to evaluate what's going on with their body and asking a professional Mm -hmm. opinion Mm -hmm. or having someone come visit you and assess you Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. meet you where you're at instead of just pushing yourself. Last question, Liba, if you could write one thing on a post-it note of the mirror of every struggling mom that she would wake up and see every day when she looked in the mirror, one sentence, what would it say? You matter. Love it. (laughs) Thank you so much, Liba, for being here. This was way deeper than I expected it to be. I should have, meeting with a psychologist. But um, I really, really enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on our show and add your value and your lessons that you've learned as being a mother. Thanks, Jackie. Thanks for everyone who's listening. Appreciate it. There you have it, Liba Laurier, psychologist and creator of Motherhood in the Making. Wow, I thought that was such a real and raw conversation. I hope that you feel the same way about it. If you have any comments or questions or input, I would love to hear your feedback. You can DM me on Instagram at Mom is Crushing or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Mom is Crushing Fitness. Also, make sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast apps that you can hear more episodes with incredible messages coming from women who live to improve the lives of other women. If you would like to get in touch with Liba, you can at www.motherhoodinthemaking.com. If you'd like to connect with her Facebook community, you can do so by searching Motherhood 
in the making on Facebook. And if you would like access to her tutorial series, I will leave that in the link in the show notes below. And I really hope you enjoyed it. Until next time, Fierce Mama Warriors, feel good, feel strong. <laughs>